I said this morning I would not get all girl up here, but tears are in my eyes. Tears are in my eyes. I know I'm supposed to say all the pastoral things, and I know I'm supposed to say all the right things, and the, but I, I'm, I'm really not kidding when I tell you how much I love you and how much I have missed you. And I have seen you online, and I have felt your prayers, and I have seen your comments and your emails. But I miss hugging your neck. Because every single one of you matter and every single one of you are special and every single one of you needs to know that God loves you. And for me as the pastor of, of, an associate pastor of Crosswalk, I always want to say that because I believe to the core of who I am. God doesn't have any favorites. Every single one of us were made in his image. And every single one of us has a purpose. And every single one of us matter. That's you. And when I haven't got to see you for a while, I haven't got some of you I haven't seen in a year. Some of you I haven't seen in months. And I cannot tell you, if I just stare at you, don't think anything about it. If big tears come, don't think anything about it. It's just because I miss you and I love you and I'm so glad you are here. And thanks be to God, we are all back here together. Amen. Now, we're in the middle of a series called Calling, Discovering Your Purpose. And guess what we get to talk about today? Failure. Don't you all shout at once. Amen, Corner, where are you? Okay, y'all got to do better than that. Y'all are scaring me just a little bit. There it is. Come on, Jackie, where is it? All right, one, two, three. All right. Stay with me. Don't leave me out there, guys, because they're a little quiet in here today. So don't go anywhere. Failure. What is the first week we talked about? Listening. Listening. Do we do that well? If you want to know the steps to your call, what it takes, it takes a lot of work, I'm not going to lie, but it does take steps. And we've been talking about what are those steps? Listening was the first week. Last week was, our, was sacrifice. And this week is failure. Thank you. I feel like more than any of them, I can own this one. Because I feel like I've had a whole lot of failures. Y'all better not leave me up here telling me by myself. Y'all cannot tell me that y'all have not had some failures in your life. Amen. Woo. It's no lie. And here's the thing. We're going to learn from somebody today who's gone through the same thing. I love scripture. And if it were left up to me, a lot of times we would just dive into a scripture. But, but you can get in the muck of it, which is usually where I like to sit. But I love this scripture because we're going to talk about a gentleman we all know about, which is Moses. 
And let me tell you, if this man, if there's anybody on the planet that knows about failure, it's Moses. Moses. Now, we're going to tell a story that we don't talk about very often. So if you want to turn with me, we're going to Exodus 5, chapter 5, verse 1. And I want to give a big shout out this morning to our deaf ministry. If you are joining us through our deaf ministry, please know that we love you. And we're so glad that you are a part of worship today. We have the best deaf ministry team. Miss Melinda and her crew and Pastor Tom, thank you guys so much. We love you and we see you. We see you. Yes, we do. We see you. Exodus 5, starting at verse, and I'm going to go 1 through 9, and then I'm going to skip to verse 22. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, now, and I want you to remember the word afterwards, okay? So that's important. We're going to come back to that word. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, this is what the Lord, Israel's God says. Let my people go. Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Y'all remember that song? Oh, let my people go. Yep. So that they can hold a festival for me in the desert. But Pharaoh said, Who is this Lord whom I'm supposed to obey by letting Israel go? I don't know this Lord, and I certainly won't let Israel go. Then they said, The Hebrews, God, has appeared to us. Let us go on a three-day journey into the desert so we can offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. Otherwise, the Lord will give us a deadly disease or violence. The king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, Why are you making the people slack off from their work? Do the hard work yourselves, Pharaoh continued. The land's people are now numerous, yet you want them to stop their hard work? Verse 6, on the very same day, Pharaoh commanded the people's slaves, masters, and supervisors don't supply the people with the straw they need to make bricks like you did before. Let them go out and gather the straw for themselves. But still, make sure that they produce the same number of bricks as they made before. Don't reduce the number. They are weak and lazy, and that's why they cry. Let's go and offer the sacrifices to our God. Make the men's work so hard that all they can do and all they can focus on is empty lies. Then we skip to verse 22. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, My Lord, why have you abused this people? Why did you send me for this? Ooh, hello. Did anybody just catch that? Ever since I first came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has abused this people. And you've done absolutely nothing to rescue your people. This is the word of God for the people of God. We have a phrase that we like to use in our English usage, in our language, which reminds us that sometimes life gets worse before it gets better. If it even gets better. It's a fact of life that there are times when we think things can't get any worse. Guess what? Oh, yes, they can. And sometimes they do. And we all feel like giant failures in the process. So we're going to go back. Before we get to to chapter 5, I'm going to tell you a little bit about why 
this went south and why Moses really relates to us all so well is because in chapter 4, after all of Moses' fears, wondering if God's people would believe him or not, he obediently does what God asked him to do. And he tells the people everything that God has told him to tell them. He also performed signs before the people and wonders, and they believed him. The people bowed down and worshiped. So we see God's servant Moses doing the right thing, being obedient to God. Did y'all hear that? Doing the right thing and being obedient. And things go wonderfully as the people believe. But then we get to chapter 5. This interesting demand to Moses and Aaron from the, to go to Pharaoh and do it so boldly. They have just had this wonderful experience of faithfulness and success. Israel is backing them and they have to speak to Pharaoh. Uh-oh. They have to speak with Pharaoh with all this confidence that the servants of God might have with such, such success. Because, hey, I just passed this test. Now I'm getting ready for this next one. So they bring a demand to free and go for three days their people. Then things go terribly wrong. Pharaoh replies with an even more daring denial. It is even bolder because while their demand was based on God's word, he relies on himself. Not only does he say he doesn't know Moses' God, he scorns God, saying, Who is Jehovah? I neither nor him nor care for him. Neither value him nor fear him. So Moses and Aaron do what God asks. They faithfully take the message to Pharaoh. And instead of things going well, they get worse. Insult is added to injury. Hello? God's people now have to collect their own straw for making bricks and complete the necessary quota for their brick making. Further, Pharaoh suggests that Moses is lying when he says that God commanded that that the people he allowed to go and worship. So how do we respond? When we do what God requires and life gets harder, how do we respond? Let me ask that again because some of you just stared at me. How do we respond when we do what God requires and life gets harder? It is easy when there is a relatively successful moment to know how to respond. As it was for Aaron and Moses in chapter 4. You go from the mountaintops though, Randall, to the failure. And they're not mutually exclusive, hear me. They're not mutually exclusive. This isn't the first or the last time that Moses feels and experiences failure. There are so many types of failures that every single one of us deal. There is failure of yourself. There is failure of others. And then to me, there's, this is the worst. There is the feeling of like you have failed God. It is one thing though. Here's what I've learned. I have the hardest time taking the trash out at my house. Not because I don't want to, 
because I am a little bit directionally challenged. And so when I go to the trash can and I begin to pull the trash out, do not laugh, Veronica. I see you. I can't get the bag out of the trash can. And if I'm not careful in pulling that bag out of the trash can, it begins to rip. And then if I finally get it up and out, it tilts and it falls over and trash goes in the floor. See, there's the failure of me not being able to get the trash out of the trash can. And then there's the failure of me not being able to get it out to the trash bin. And then there's the failure of me not being able to get the trash to the street. But any way it is, that failure in all three instances is still failure. And the mission isn't accomplished, which is get the trash out. I see some of you short people. Y'all did not even help me out in that. It can get worse. And then Jeff comes in and he just pulls it right out. I'm like, what happens to all of us when we feel as if we have failed? Maybe I was obedient. Maybe I wasn't. But either way, I have failed. How does failing, though, help us to our call? So I think the first thing is, is that failure can be the greatest learning tool. Failure can be the greatest learning tool. And, and I don't take that for granted. The greatest. When I say that term greatest, that's really what I mean. I think it can be the greatest learning tool. For every mistake you make, there is a lesson that is learned. If you're paying attention. For every failure, we develop more courage and strength. If we take the lesson we have learned and we improve on our decisions. Maybe for Moses, it was coming off the mountaintop that was so hard. Or maybe it was the feeling like, I got this other thing right, but once again, this goes wrong. And I forget the mountaintop. Sometimes I think we get so caught in our ways that we don't even want to change. Not even our mistakes because we are so hard-headed in it going our way. The problem is God's call is on your life. And only God knows what that looks like. So when you begin to dictate to God what that should be, what happens? We miss it. And we fail. Moses obeyed God and still failed. Or so he thought he failed. But did he? But did he? So we've listened. We've sacrificed. And now the second thing we have to do is we have to own our failures. we got to stop blaming someone else. We have to quit blaming the church. Because they didn't treat us right. Or we have to quit blaming mom and dad. We have to quit blaming those people in our lives. Because here's the deal. God has never left you or forsaken you. 
And God never will. And regardless of what people have done and what has happened, and I hate to tell you this, but church is church of the people. So people are in church and they're flawed and they're broken just like me and just like you. It happens. Acknowledge that your failure is real and the lessons that came through your failure. Because if you're stronger today, your failure made you who you are. Moses felt the failure and failed over and over, and yet he still got the Israelites out of Pharaoh's hand. It was a journey. It was a process. But he got them out of Pharaoh's hand. That was the goal. Moses owned the failure. In verse 2, it says, God, why did you send me? Why me, Lord? Why me? He didn't make it to the promised land, Bob Baker, but it got them freed from Pharaoh's hand. Do y'all remember that song? He got them out of Pharaoh's hand. That's what mattered. That was the goal. So then the third thing I feel like we have to do is we have to let go of our failures and trust that God knows best. Let go of our failures and trust that God knows best. We we can all think of a million reasons we will fail. But all we need is one reason we won't. And that one reason is God. That's why none of you will fail. You will get your people out of the Pharaoh's hand. But it doesn't mean that there's not some failure on that journey. And if you think there won't be failure on that journey and that you can do it perfect, you will fail again. For the same God that created the universe created you. Did you hear me? The same God that created the universe created you and he created you just like you are. He, he, he created me vertically challenged. He didn't really create the purple hair, but we're going to go with it. We're going to go with it. We all have to lay our failures at God's feet. We have to walk away from the could be's and know that God is all about what is happening and what is right now. And the same God that created you for your call, you are not a mistake. God did not make a mistake in your call or your purpose because you have one and it is only yours. It is only yours. That does not mean you are perfect. I'm so glad that the call to ministry did not require me to be perfect. Amen, Randall? Woo, I'd have been in trouble. That does not mean that once we listen and once we sacrifice, that failure will not come. You will fail. But you will rise. And when you rise, you will rise into your calling. Amen. And as I close this morning, I want to remind you of something I read by Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., He said it this way. He said, failure of your past must not be an excuse for the inaction of the present and the future. The failure of your past must not be an excuse for the inaction of the present 
and the future. When I was going through the greatest failure of my life, and I felt in that moment it was the greatest failure. A friend of mine brought me a book. And it was a book of stories about women that had gone through the same thing I had gone through. It was an ugly failure. It was a lot of failures that happened all at one time to me. It was not pretty. When I get the amazing opportunity to listen to your stories, it's because I have a story very similar. And I ran across this story of a woman that had gone through a really bad divorce, abusive divorce, and left with three children, and she had never worked a day. And all of a sudden, she had to figure out what to do with her life. I don't even know what I can do. I don't even know what I know how to do. And a friend felt so bad for her, got her a job as a secretary. And this was in the early 90s, and still in the early 90s, they still used this thing called a typewriter. And she sat down and could not hardly type, but like this. Y'all are laughing because y'all have had to do that too, haven't you? Can you imagine a world where you are in charge now of bringing every single dime that comes in for three children and you've never worked a day in your life and now you're sitting at this typewriter trying to do the work that's in front of you. And mistake after mistake after mistake she made sitting there at that typewriter. Every document she said, I'm so thankful that someone had grace and mercy on me because everything I typed was terrible and it took me forever. But this woman took her failures of being left. This woman took her failures of being an only mom. This woman took her failures of sitting at a typewriter she had never done before. And guess what she did? She invented this thing called whiteout. Now you talk about taking your failures and making it a victory. And aren't we glad to this day if you ever typed on a typewriter that she did? Because now we use white out on reports when we're supposed to write with black ink, right? And oops, I messed that up. Guess what? I'll just get my white out out. I can fix that and go back and put what I meant to put in there. Because she took her failures. She took what the world said to her would never amount to anything. And she said, I'm going to make something out of my deepest, deepest, darkest places. I'm going to make this trial a blessing, not because of anything I do, but because of everything that God will do. And aren't we thankful for Whiteout? You have a calling. But you're going to fail, but own it. You move on. And you let your failure show you the blessing. For Moses listened and sacrificed and things went wrong. But that was just the beginning of the story. You see, God sees a bigger picture than we could ever see. Your failure can never change your call. Woo! Your failure can never change your call. It just changes how you choose to respond to it. Did you hear me? 
It just chooses to change how you respond to it. Are you going to make white out? Or are you going to just sit there and keep typing away? You get up and you dump your past. You get up and you lay your failures at his feet and you move on. And know this. There will be more failures, but there will be way more blessings. Amen.